reading from Job. Job answered the Lord, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you declare to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in the dust and ashes. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then there came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before, and they ate bread with him in his house. They showed him sympathy and comforted him for all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. And each gave him, and each of them gave him a piece of money and a gold ring. The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 of donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. He named the first Jeremima, the second Keziah, and the third Karen Hapuk. In all the land there were no women so beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father gave to them an inheritance along with their brothers. After this, Job lived for 140 years and saw his children and his children's children four generations. And Job died full, old and full of days. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But Jesus holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able for all time to save those who approach God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, blameless, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he has no need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for those of the people. This he did once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests those who are subject to weakness, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory 
Jesus and his disciples came to Jericho, as he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So, throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. The Gospel of the Lord. So, throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. We cannot help but hear the words of our scripture this day in light of the events of the last 24 hours. Even now, as our hearts break with our Jewish brothers and sisters at the Tree of Life Synagogue, in Pittsburgh. We are confronted again by a very deep darkness and violence that has persisted in our culture and in our country for way too long. And as you might expect, the usual political talking points are coming forward. And it seems as though even though 11 are dead, life wants very much to go on as it has, even though we have this nagging sense that something is very wrong. The question for us is, what will it take to change things? How do we shed the cloak of this darkness? There are hints hidden in today's readings. We have the story of the conclusion of the book of Job. After a lengthy discourse with his friends and with God, Job at last comes to terms with his own suffering. And if he repents of anything at all, it is not because he has done something wrong, He turns away from his honor and shame competition with God and embraces the humility and fragility of his condition. He embraces a faith, a faith that leaves him utterly vulnerable and accessible to his creator. 
What the architects of the lectionary left out in today's reading is just as important because at this point then God turns to Job's friends, and if you remember me saying last week with friends like this, who needs enemies? And God says to them, you have not spoken rightly about me, but Job has. Therefore, prepare to make sacrifice and ask Job to intercede for you. In effect, Job becomes their high priest and intercedes on their behalf. And now that they are atoned, Job's fortune and life is restored to him, and he goes on his way, recognizing that everything that he has is God's gift. And not even Job's righteousness has earned what he has garnered. As I said last week, Job, for some of our early spiritual ancestors, presaged the priesthood, the suffering, the righteousness of Jesus, and that is what the author of the letter to the Hebrews is talking about today, the priesthood of Jesus. To see Jesus as making the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf of offering himself holy to God, the last sacrifice, the sacrifice, if you will, to end all sacrifices, a sense in which Jesus stands between us and our God and intercedes on our behalf, as any good priest should, and recognizes our place with humility. And that is the only way our tradition starts to make sense of suffering itself in the context of God's love and, in fact, in the context of Christ suffering with us in this time. But a recognition that in order for us to change and in order for the world to change, we must offer something, set aside something, which brings us to the story of Bartimaeus in today's gospel. Mark leaves no word to waste, which can be true of just about all of the Christian writings of Scripture, but it's especially true of Mark because he is so efficient in his telling of the gospel. No one is pithier than Mark is. And Mark has this narrative that we are deep into now where Jesus is trying to tell his disciples that unlike the Messiah they expect, his Messiahship involves going to Jerusalem, confronting the powers of his day, and dying, and dying to the familiar powers of this world. That kind of sacrifice and self-offering makes no sense to his disciples. And as we heard last week, they're locked in your typical power competition in the company, right? They're all aspiring for position. James and John, in fact, have the temerity to ask 
Jesus to be seated in positions of power on either side of him. Mark bookends this controversy between Jesus and his followers with two miracles. Both involve the healing of the blind. That is to say, Mark is telegraphing to his first audience and to us that we are being invited to be healed of our spiritual blindness. A spiritual blindness that has us caught up in the familiar, the things we know. The people of Jericho probably knew Bartimaeus. He was the familiar beggar at the side of the road. He had a place in their community, just like everyone else. He had a role to play. And anyone who traveled to Jerusalem and back to Jericho probably was at least acquainted with his pleas for money, for a handout, for help. And it all worked because it was familiar. Most of all, to Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus knew how to work the system. He had survived this long, at least. He knew he had to ask for money, and if he sat in the right place, enough people would deign to give him some. And life went on as usual. Until, as we say in godly play, someone special came along. Jesus comes to Jericho with his followers as he grows closer to Jerusalem. And his disciples are still clueless, as they are in the Gospel of Mark. But Bartimaeus realizes something is different about him. And so he proclaims to him, Son of David, have mercy on me. It's an honorific in his society. Son of David means to elevate Jesus to a place that someone like Solomon, the great king, might have occupied. Bartimaeus is aware of something new, he sees, if you will, something that many others do not yet see in Jesus. And he calls again, even though the people say, get back into your place. Remember where you belong, on the side of the road, asking for money not for the attention of an itinerant teacher, let alone someone you might call son of David, and they try to silence him. But he insists. He insists on being seen himself. And Jesus, who was perfectly within his rights to keep going, stops. And calls him. 
And at that point, Bartimaeus has the most fundamental choice that we all have. Will he stay in the life he knows? It's the same question we all face today. Will we stay in the same life we know? The life of the usual political talking points, the divisiveness, the feeding of violence, the cultivation of animosity and hatreds, the nursing of our resentments. Will we stay there on the side of the road, believing this is our place in the universe, unwilling to let go of the familiar, because it is familiar. And even if it is evil, at least we know this devil, right? The key moment is when Bartimaeus sheds his cloak. That is our choice. Will we shed this cloak of division and darkness and dare to do what Bartimaeus did, embrace the mystery that Jesus offers? Bartimaeus you see, when he gets up and sheds his cloak and goes to Jesus, has just stepped out of a way of life that has literally fed him, and he doesn't know where his next meal is going to come from. It's that basic for him. It's that primordial. It's that visceral, right down here in the gut he has stepped out into the darkness. Because Jesus has called him. Will we do the same? Will we risk the familiar for that mystery? For our healing? And if we do, will we follow Bartimaeus and follow Jesus on the way? Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.